have been fascinated with the unknown and paranormal realms since childhood. After a profound experience with my grandmother's spirit 20 years ago, I have been on a quest to observe, study, investigate, and communicate with the afterlife and beyond. It's been an ongoing journey of exploration and discovery, one that has taught me how mortality and the spirit world are forever bonded through the veils of time. to the debut episode, I can't believe I'm saying this, the debut episode of my new radio show, The Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond. This is Nicole Strickland on this fabulous October 8th. I can't believe, Thursday, October 8th, actually, I can't believe it's almost the middle of October. Why is it when summer ends and we go into fall, September-ish, it just, it seems like an hour goes by and then all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, Christmas or January. It's crazy. And I love the month of October. I love Halloween. So I just want it to go by slow, right? So anyways, enough about that. I am super, super excited for tonight. I have an amazing guest coming on the second hour. But since this is the debut episode, I do want to kind of just talk a little bit for the first hour introducing the show, a little bit more about my background, what led me to have this show and the theme of it and so forth. Before I start, though, I do want to thank my good friend Todd Bates of, I forgot to say it, of the WLTKDB network for giving me this opportunity to have my own radio show. Todd and I go back, oh my goodness, I want to say it was 2009, and we met aboard the RMS Queen Mary of all places. It was Ghost Fest 4, which was an annual uh, paranormal convention that they had there on the ship. And uh, a lot of people attended, and I met Todd. And it was just, we instantly clicked, and we kept in touch over the years. And I've been a guest on his amazing show, Haunted Voices Radio, that's been in existence since 2004. So, that tells you right there the talent and the dedication that this man has. So I am super honored. I thank you so much, Todd, for this opportunity. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. So I want to uh, give a little bit of uh, background about myself. Now, I've been on many shows. I've been on several amazing podcasts and, and many radio shows. And uh, I've even co-hosted some, including Todd's amazing Haunted Voices Radio, and you know the experience that that gives me experience, but it's not the same as having your own show. So I'm I'm going to admit I'm a little nervous. I'm kind of my my hands are kind of like sweaty a little bit. I'm kind of shaking a little bit, but you know what? I'm rolling with the punches because you know this is practice, and I can only get better, right? So, anyways, so. And, you know, what I wanted to say, too, is on these shows, I have talked about my background. So for those that are listening that have heard this before, I'm sorry if it's redundant, but that's why I wanted to take this hour to uh, introduce myself to any new listeners that may have never heard of me or may have never heard of Nicole Strickland. You know, you got it. So anyways, I have been interested in the paranormal going back to my childhood as far back as I can remember. And so I was born in Huntington Beach, California. And then I lived there for about oh, a year or two. And then my 
family, my mom and dad, I'm an only child. Uh, we moved to Las Vegas because my dad uh, got a job there as a pharmacist. He's now retired, retired pharmacist. And so we, I lived in Las Vegas until about, I want to say it was seven, seven and a half years old. And then my mom and I, my parents divorced. That's okay. They're, they get along. Everything's great there. But uh, my mom and I decided to move back uh, to California and we moved to San Diego. And that's actually where my, uh, both my parents uh, are from. And so my entire family is basically in Southern California. And so as far back as I can remember, this is going back to Las Vegas. I, I four, four-ish, five-ish, I had experiences, you know, at that young age, I couldn't explain, but they were odd experiences. And I remember one night we were out in our backyard swimming pool and it was about seven o'clock or eight o'clock and it was summertime and it was just starting to get dusk, which is my favorite time of night, by the way. Uh, And so we just got out of the pool and we were standing there drying off. And all of a sudden I saw this dark gray, black, like humanoid shape, or it was like a misty shape. And then it sort of morphed into like a humanoid shape move on like bias. And I distinctly remember asking, and I don't know why I remember this or how I remember this, but at my young age, I turned to my mom and dad and I said, mommy, daddy, did you see the draft? And I have no idea why I used that word to describe what I saw at the age of like five, four and a half or five. And it was just a very odd experience. They were, my parents were oblivious to it, but I noticed it and it was just really odd. And then in our house, and it was a new home at the time in Las Vegas, our house, you know, I haven't researched it as an adult, but I did have a lot of experiences uh, growing up there as well. And there was one uh, spirit, I want to say, I, I, you know, he probably is more of an earthbound. Uh, sometimes we use those, those words interchangeably. Uh, he, now as an adult, I would say that he originated from the 1800s gold rush days. I remember distinctly what he wore. He had on like a red and black uh, sort of attire on the top and then what looked like, uh, not jeans, but kind of like jeans pants. And so he would come in and out periodically and I would, especially when I was in my room, like I would visit with him and I would talk to him. And of course, my parents probably thought, who is she talking to? Well, she's at the appropriate age to have an imaginary friend. That's probably what they thought. And so, uh, yeah, I, I communicated with this male entity, male earthbound spirit. And, you know, I, it, it dawns on me, maybe I should do more research into that now as an adult, especially now that I have more knowledge in the paranormal because I may find uh, something interesting. So my interest into the paranormal and spirit realms has pretty much stayed with me throughout my childhood years, my adolescent years. In high school and college, I got my hands on pretty much anything I could read in terms of the paranormal. And of course, with the that was the time when the internet was just starting to come out. So there wasn't a preponderance of information, you know, now that there was then. So then I think I did that sound right. Maybe not, but you get what I mean. So uh, now there's just so many things that you can look up. There's books and there's articles and there's uh, all kinds of websites and teams and there's so much information and you have to sift through it to see what's credible, you know, versus what, what's not. And so I, that interest 
in the paranormal stayed with me. And it was a very profound experience my senior year of undergraduate college. And as I've explained on previous shows, I, you know, a lot of people say, here she goes, she's going to talk about her grandmother again, but I'm going to do it here because it's, it's, this is what catapulted me into active investigation of the unknown. Okay. So senior year, I was at the University of Arizona, which is in Tucson, Arizona. Loved it. Great school. Had a great time. And my maternal grandmother, okay, her name was Helen Lopinto, and she lived well into her 90s. I think she was 96 when she passed. She called me on October 24th and in the afternoon. And I answered the phone, and she said, hi, sweetie, it's grandma. I just wanted to call and say hi and and see how you are. Is everything okay? And I thought to myself, that's weird. Why is she asking me if I'm okay? You know, what's going on? I just made a mental note of that. That seems strange. So I talked with her for about 10 or 15 minutes. I admit I kind of rushed her off the phone a little bit because I had uh, a bunch of stuff to do for my classes and that uh, sort of thing. I told her I'd call her in a few days. And so we ended the call. And the next day, October 25th, now keep in mind, this is my mother's birthday. So this would have been um, my mom's mom. Okay, my grandmother, my mom's mom uh, passed away on her birthday, okay, October 25th. And so my mom uh, gives me a call the next day, October 25th in the afternoon. And she, I answer the phone and she starts out with, oh, sweetheart, I, hi, it's mom. I just want to know, I just want to let you know that I love you so much. And I knew at that point, I said, okay, what's going on? And she said, starting to cry, she said, I'm so sorry, sweetie, but grandma passed away early this morning about 4.45 a.m. And so I felt like my world dropped. I really did. I pretty much dropped everything. I, I got the next flight out from Tucson to San Diego to come back and, and uh, you know, spend some time with the family. And uh, my, my grandmother didn't want an official funeral. She just didn't want that. So a few uh, close-knit family members uh, went to the mortuary and we had a viewing. And I was able to uh, say my goodbyes. And I placed a picture of myself and my two cousins and a little note. I placed that inside and kind of nestled it in the dress that she was wearing. And I said my goodbyes. And after a few days, I went back to Tucson, Arizona to resume my college studies. And it was a few days after that when I started to have unusual instances occurring in my apartment that did not occur at all whatsoever previous to my grandmother's death. The first occurrences that I could remember were my, they were my, let's see, my bedroom door specifically. And my front, my apartment front door would, the doorknobs would rattle and, and move as though someone was, was turning the knob. And I thought, okay, well, this is a, a, definitely an apartment. There's probably vibration going on. Maybe it's the next door neighbors causing this, or maybe I was in an upstairs unit, maybe the downstairs, they're doing something to cause vibration vibration sort of movements. And that's what I was thinking because my mind was trying to logically explain what these occurrences were. And they kept happening, but very intermittent. And so I made a mental note of that. And it was uh, a couple of days, uh, or a few days after that, after the first time with the doorknobs, I was actually in my bedroom and I was sitting on my bed, 
studying for class and I was doing a bunch of schoolwork when all of a sudden I felt a disembodied hand caress my face. I didn't see anything. I just felt it. And it felt as though it came from someone I was very close to and someone that loved me very dearly. And I was extremely close to my grandmother, very close to her. And that's when I started to connect point A to point B. And that's when I started to think, okay, could this possibly be Helen trying to contact me from the afterlife, from the spirit realm? I don't know. I just kind of proposed it and left it there. I don't have my exact days, but I would say it was a couple of days, two or three days after that, when again, it was in the evening time. I was on my bed. I like to do my schoolwork on my bed and just lay out all my paperwork there and all that, my, my laptop. And I was doing schoolwork when all of a sudden, out of my left peripheral vision, I saw movement kind of near where my closet was. There was a bookshelf there and then my closet. And I, I looked. And when I looked up, I saw my grandmother's spirit form, full-bodied, not translucent, full-bodied, and it looked as though she had a backlight that was shining against her back. So it almost looked like she had a halo behind her, if that makes sense, or a spotlight behind her. And the experience, as, as you know, or as many people can attest to, apparitional sightings don't last that long. They're very quick, but some people will say that the experiences seem like they la went in slow motion or they lasted a long time, when in reality, the time of it was probably a, a, a fraction of a second. But in that time, I was able to see that absolutely was my grandmother. She looked about 10 years younger. She had a slight smile to her face. She didn't say anything. She looked at me. She was wearing one of her favorite house dresses. It was a royal blue and white flowered house dress. And then she just demanifested and just kind of disappeared. And I, I remember I started crying. I had tears coming down my face. That's when I knew and I definitely connected the previous experiences. I called my mom. I believe it was the following day. And I said, Mom, I, I need to dis discuss some things with you. And I told my mom all that I was experiencing. So her and I both agreed to openly address Helen Lopinto and let her know that she's free. She's fine. She doesn't need to feel that she needs to stay in this realm any longer. She's free to go on and move on to, to whatever or wherever she needs to go. And so we gave her that right. And after we did that, the experiences stopped. So I, I do think that it was probably her way of just making sure that everything was okay with the family before she, you know, evolved and, and went from an earthbound state to maybe a, a more of a spirit state. That's just what I think. Uh, it, you know, it's hard to know for sure, but, uh, you know, she has visited from time to time. Uh, we just had a family member, uh, my second cousin, Pam, passed away uh, about three weeks ago, and she came there by and, and said hello to my mom and I uh, during that time, a couple of days after she passed, after Pam passed. So she does come and visit 
every now and then, and I can definitely feel her presence. But it's interesting, though, because Helen was one of those individuals that was always worried. She was just a, a huge worry ward. And so uh, she always worried about the family. You know, she went around actually at night to uh, make sure that the, all the doors were locked and that sort of thing. So that definitely correlates to the doorknob experiences I had in my apartment after her passing. And so I just think that she, like I said, she just wanted to make sure before she felt free to finally pass on. And so I credit my grandmother. I credit Helen for really paving a path for me as a paranormal researcher. Although I've had that interest since childhood, that singular experience I had with my grandmother's spirit literally propelled me on the path that I'm on today. And it's, you know, I feel like it's fate. I really do. I just, I feel that in my heart. I feel that in my soul. And so at that point is when I started to delve into the paranormal investigation paranormal research uh, arena. And so, and I've been doing this now for about 20 years, and I've worked with different Southern California teams. I've also worked with Dale Katzmerich's Ghost Research Society out in the Midwest. Fabulous team. Dale's uh, definitely uh, been a mentor of mine. He's a, a an amazing researcher with a lot of experience, or a lot of uh, experience, a lot of dedication behind him. And so, I always had that nagging feeling of, you know, I, I kind of want to have my own team someday, but I didn't do that right away just because I, I wanted to get some experience. I wanted to work with different people. I wanted to meet some people in the, the field because I was a newbie at this time, you know, about 20 years ago. And so, uh, you know, and so I started to work with those teams. And then after about, well, I would say it was 2009 when I definitely decided to embark on developing my own research team. And that is the San Diego Paranormal Research Society. And it actually started October of 2009. So I can't believe it's already been uh, this long, you know, that we've been in existence. But it's, we're a very devoted team. We, we care a lot about what we do. And uh, I think I'm going to, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back from the break, I'll elaborate a little bit more on San Diego Paranormal Research Society and discuss some other things and we'll be right back so stay tuned folks we are controlling transmission WLTK DB let's talk Patreon is a place for creators. We're one of them. Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash WLTKDB. Check out all the unique support tiers we offer. You can get early release episodes, station mugs and t-shirts, free station service work, and much more. Help the station reach its $1,000 per month goal to make our station totally ad-free. Patreon.com slash WLTKDB. We appreciate your support. Going on vacation can be an overwhelming task. Let's face it. You want the best destinations at the cheapest prices, but where do you even start? The confusion stops now, and Mickey World Travel is exactly where you need to be. Ryan Wren, a travel consultant with Mickey World Travel, will take the reins and leave you with this instead of this. No way! 
From Disney cruises to Walt Disney Parks, Ryan works hard for you and gets you that perfect vacation you deserve. Getting started is as simple as calling 615-815-5529. That's 615-815-5529. Or email Ryan at Ryan at MickeyWorldTravel.com. Ryan Wren and Mickey World Travel. Making memories that last a lifetime. Maggie Reiki is a full-service Reiki therapy center offering both in-person and distance Reiki sessions. Reiki is a gentle healing energy that can assist in clearing, repairing, and maintaining energy that is vital for optimal health. Reiki can also assist with anxiety, depression, and even addiction. You can schedule a Reiki session by visiting our website, www.mackeyreiki.com. That's www.m-a-c-k-e-y-r-e-i-k-i.com. Join us in chat on the website there, www.wltkdb.com. Okay, so before the break, I was, hello, this is Nicole Strickland, of course. You guys already know that, right? Just thought I'd insert it there again, you know. Anyway, so before the break, I was discussing a little bit about my background and what led me up to uh, becoming a paranormal researcher. And so now we're at me developing my paranormal research team, which is the San Diego Paranormal Research Society. We go by the, obviously, the acronym SDPRS, and we formed October of 2009, and we're a very a dedicated, devoted team. So we're, we're not just into the thrills and the excitement and just the sensationalism, obviously, of of research. We are hardcore into the research end of it. There's a lot that goes into a paranormal case study. And so when forming the team, I, I knew that I wanted to not come from that ghost hunter mentality. I, I wanted, I'm coming from that paranormal researcher mentality. And so we, although there's different branches of obviously the supernatural and supernatural field study, we do specialize in ghosts and hauntings and the spirit realm. And so we have investigated numerous places in in San Diego, Southern California, uh, the Midwest, uh, northern parts of California. We've done numerous uh, private residence cases, uh, business cases and several historical cases throughout San Diego as well. Some of those have included uh, some hallmark locations, Maritime Museum of San Diego, the Berkeley Ferry Boat, Star of India, uh, William Heath Davis House, Cosmopolitan Hotel, uh, let's see, Pine Hills Lodge out in Julian. And for about, gosh, I think since 2011, we've been, we're actually the official Spirits of the Adobe tour host at the Rancho Buena Vista Adobe, which is an iconic land rancho. There's actually two up in that area, but an iconic land rancho up in Vista, California. Vista is about 25 to 30 minutes north of San Diego, and it's sandwiched in between 
Oceanside and uh, San Marcos. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a, a, a map there. And so we've uh, not only hosted these tours at the Adobe, and they're fundraising tours, so the money actually goes toward the upkeep of the rancho, but we've, we've also conducted a lot of paranormal case studies at the Adobe as well. And so that's actually one of our ongoing uh, case studies. Right now with COVID-19, obviously, we're somewhat on a hiatus other than, you know, doing radio shows or, or doing presentations. And of course, with me, I, I write books as well and, and articles and that sort of thing. But until COVID gets better, I know San Diego's still dealing with a lot of, of cases. We, we went down a little bit and now we kind of spiked up, back up a little bit. So our cases are on hold. We do have uh, a couple of private residences that will resume once things get better and things get back to normal. But uh, we really enjoy what we do. And, you know, we, we put a lot of time and effort. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into a paranormal case study. I mean, it is not just your four to five hour, eight hour investigation. I mean, honestly speaking, Many, many teams, including us, will get called in to do a one-time investigation. It could be two hours, it could be four hours, it could be six hours, it could be eight hours, and then that's it. But you know what? That, that, that's like touching a one grain of sand on the beach. What does that tell you, really? I mean, it, it might give you a little glimpse as to what's going on, especially if you've done some background historical research and genealogical research, archaeological research, which should be done for each paranormal case study. But you really need to spend months, if not a year, at a location, if not longer than that, to really get a good idea of what may be going on. And then again, even at, I mean, there is no proof of of ghosts. There's no proof of, of um, or anything in, in, in black and white logical terms that can explain the reasons why and how paranormal phenomena happens. It's just we have developing theories, right? And as people collectively research, you know, more theories are developed, more insights are developed. But there's a lot that, that goes into a case study, and you need to spend time at that location. And like I mentioned, doing all that background research, and, and not to mention the, the client interviews. And our client interviews are, are quite extensive, I'm sure, as, as other teams are as well. And we have probably listed on the form close to 100 questions. But obviously, when you're at the site and you're, or on the phone and you're interviewing a client, other questions will arise that aren't necessarily listed on your client interview form. And you obviously go with the flow of the interview and there may be many witnesses, eyewitnesses to interview separately. So there's a lot of time that goes into that and the preliminary uh, part of an investigation. So uh, getting the, the client interviews done and trying to connect the dots with uh, the eyewitnesses and people that have experienced phenomena and it, correlating that with historical information that's occurred on the property. So there's a lot that goes into it. I kind of equate a paranormal case study a lot to like a social work case, you know, where you're just really trying to, to connect the dots and I, of, of a puzzle, so to speak. That's, and, and when I do presentations and when we do our tours, that's, that's kind of how uh, we describe it. It's like if you have a big puzzle in front of you, you have those different pieces all laid out and, and you have to connect them. And it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, I love the challenge of trying to do that. But you, you may not 
always connect. Obviously, you're not going to connect all the pieces of the puzzle, right? Because then we would have all the answers. So that's that's not possible as of yet. I don't even know if it if we'll ever fully understand and, and come to a comprehension of exactly what paranormal phenomena is. I think it, in many ways it's supposed to to remain elusive, so to speak. So that's kind of, you know, where we come from, uh, really devoting our, our, our time and our effort to these cases. And then, of course, there's the data analysis, right? You have all your hours of, of audio review and, and photo analysis and uh, videography analysis, going through uh, your environmental monitoring and seeing where that fits into the equation, right? So there's all that that's involved. And each case that we've done has been a huge learning uh, opportunity uh, for us. I mean, personally speaking for me, I mean, I, I, this is where I will say that I do not like or, or uh, condone the, the term paranormal expert. I, I, to me, I, I just don't, I, I don't think that's ever a possibility. I mean, someone can be a specialist in it. Someone can, uh, you know, be a researcher or investigator, but to say an expert, because an, an expert, the word expert means that, okay, you're such an expert in it, you know everything about it, right? So I, I, I personally don't like using that term. And, you know, I've been called that. And sometimes I'll kindly in a nice way say, well, no, I'm not. You know, I would prefer, uh, you know, I'm a student of the paranormal, let's say. Let's say that I'm a I'm a, a researcher of the unknown. I'm a student of the paranormal. I, I, I like that better. So um, and and meeting people. I mean, the people that I have met in this field. I mean, not just in San Diego, not just uh, in Southern California or on the West Coast, but all around, even internationally. It's incredible. There are some amazing, genuine, heartfelt people researching the paranormal. And, you know, I almost, and this is a personal opinion of mine, I almost feel that in many ways, the spirit realms, I mean, there's other entities that don't belong necessarily to the spirit realm, but spirit realms and beyond, it's almost like the universe knows which people are going to fit in the field. I don't know, that's just, it's just kind of a thought that I have. But it's been uh, just an amazing journey uh, meeting people, meeting people like Todd uh, and just, you know, engaging in, in discussion about the paranormal and learning different ways to research, learning different ways to approach methodologies and, and that sort of thing. And, and I do want to mention, too, my co-director, Allie Schreiber. I don't know if she's listening right now. If she is. Hello, Allie. And she's going to be next week's guest by the way she's been with the San Diego Paranormal Research Society since, oh my gosh, 2014. And so her and I have this mojo. It's weird. It's just her and I have this very strange mojo when we research. Like we'll sometimes ask the same questions at the same time, or we'll think of different types of unique experimentation, things like that. So we really gel well together. And so, uh, and she also co-hosts the Spirits of the Adobe Tours as well. So people like her, uh, I mean, there's so many people right now that I could name, uh, but it would take all night. So it's just been a really amazing journey. And so I've always thought, okay, am I going to have a radio show one day? I've had people ask me, you know, Nicole, are you going to have a radio show one day? And I, I've, you know, my answer to that is, oh, possibly, maybe someday. The day has to be right. And so in the last 
I would say year, about a year, it's that radio bug has kind of just been pinching at me. You know, it's been saying, you know, Nicole, I think you should jump on the train and, you know, do this radio thing. And so it's funny how things work out. And so I, I, back in May, I started producing uh, for Haunted Voices Radio. And of course, Todd and I have always kept in touch over the years, but I started helping with uh, producing shows for Haunted Voices Radio. And it's almost like that, that was meant to be. And then, you know, the rest is history. And now I am with the Afterlife Chronicles radio show. And so I, I kind of just listened to the cosmos, you know, the stars, I guess, had to align just right. And here I am. And I think it's, you know, things are meant to happen when they happen, I guess, right? Uh, it's just kind of, it's, it's meant to be in a way. So I thought, my next thought was, okay, if I, if I, if I start my own radio show, what do I, what do I want to do? Like, what, what's, what's the purpose of that? And so I, I started thinking about different themes of, of where to go. And I recently finished a book. Uh, I believe it's going to be published December of 2020, if not then, because it may be delayed due to COVID-19, uh, springtime of 2021 with Schiffer Publishing. And I've, I've published with them before. And my upcoming book is also the same as the radio show. It's the Afterlife Chronicles, exploring the connection between life, death, and beyond. And so I, it's like a light bulb went off in my head. And I thought, okay, why don't you make a radio show that is kind of a, has a similar theme to your book? Because the book's main theme, if I could summarize it in a sentence, it's showcasing the undying eternal connections between mortality and the afterlife through discussion of, let's see, mind, body, and spirit and how that relates to the spirit world and how that relates to experiencing the paranormal spirit communication, the role of spirit guides, near-death experiences, the soul survival of physical death, collective consciousness, uh, grief and loss, all of those topics. And though that's what's discussed in this book. And I thought that's going to be the theme of this radio show. And I'm going to have various guests that come on and, and talk about these different uh, topics. Of course, I may deviate from time to time and have maybe a special on cryptids or maybe a special on uh, ufology or things like that. But that is the main theme of this radio show. It's to show the paranormal connection between mortality and the afterlife. And, uh, and here we are. And so I think that there's a, a, a big, big cosmic shift going on somewhere in the universe, somewhere in the galaxies. And it's br almost bringing the living world and the afterlife closer together. It's, I, I find that, and this is my own personal opinion, I find that the living realm is, is striving to connect with the, the afterlife and understand it, whereas the afterlife is doing the same thing, wanting to connect with the living and understand it. And so the two worlds are constantly uh, interrelated. And so I, it's just something that's so interesting to me. And I also feel, too, that all of this interest in the paranormal, I mean, it's, and I know that there's always been an interest in the paranormal. I mean, even dating back to spiritualism, even dating back to the dawn of man. I mean, 
pretty much every cultural culture, excuse me, you read about has some sort of belief in life after death. Okay, so it's a, it's a topic that's been addressed for years. But recently, I'm talking in the last, you know, maybe 50 years, there I've we've seen an exponential increase in 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 supernatural uh, field study and interest in different branches, whether it's cryptids or the ufology or ghosts and hauntings, just it seems like everyone's interested in it. And not only that, people are opening up to talking about their experiences. You know, some people may still feel, oh my goodness, I've had all these experiences, but if I, if I say something, are people going to judge me? Are they going to think I'm weird and all that? And I'm, I'm finding that going away. I'm finding that more and more people are, are open to discussing their experiences, which is great. That's so important to not only uh, the field, but to uh, giving us more of a collective understanding of, of what may be going on and what, may, what the origins of, of paranormal experiences are. And so there's, I feel, a, a psychokinetic influence too, where you have all this interest you know, out there and it's just kind of floating around and that is almost acting as like a, a battery or, or a capacitor and charging that connection between mortality and the afterlife. And I just thought of something and I'm going to say it now because if I don't, I might forget to say it. I feel that for paranormal researchers, whether it's uh, uh, people that are more into the ghost spirits and hauntings uh, phenomena or people that are more into, you know, the uh, other entities and other domains, uh, cryptids, uh, ufology, pretty much anyone in the paranormal field. I feel we each have a duty to not just do the investigation. You know, you go to a site and you're going to conduct an investigation. You may get some EVPs. You may get some great photographs you communicate with the energies for that amount of time that you're there, and then that's it. When I started, that's, that's how I was. But I feel lately, and I've tried to implement this more in, in, in my case studies and my work, I feel we have a duty to go beyond that and connect further with the afterlife and with the spirit domain. And even this includes other entities that aren't necessarily a part of the, the what I call the human spirit realm. And so we have a duty to connect with them and to ha- build a rapport with them. And, you know, some may need help, some may reach out for it, some may not. But I just feel like that's going to help us in understanding and give us a lot more answers. You know, I don't think we're ever going to get the answers to our questions. You know, uh, how does what happens to us when we die, you know, those standard questions that man has had since the dawning of time, but it, it will give us a little bit, you know, more of a comprehension, more pieces of the puzzle may be connected. So I feel like there, you know, and recently in my experiences and my case studies, I go beyond and I want to establish that rapport. And this is something that I'm very passionate about because every time I step out in the field and I, and I do my work, I'm always cognizant of respecting the spirit world, respecting the afterlife, and respecting the energies that I'm communicating with. I strive to serve as an advocate for them. 
that's me personally. And I would like to think that everyone's like that. And I feel that if you, if you serve as an advocate and you are uh, honoring them, I don't care what background they had when they were living or how they were, you know, when they were alive in the world that they're, they're in now, if you're respecting them and you're honoring them, I feel that they're going to be more open in communicating with us. And so I feel like that's why, you know, on numerous case studies, Allie and I get such great data. And not only that, but personal experiences as well. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, been, it's been phenomenal. And I, I mean, I've had so many amazing experiences with the afterlife. Obviously, I shared one before the break, uh, my grandmother. Uh, that was just huge. I mean, I, I've had experiences with uh, my grandfather. So Helen's um, husband, Andrew F. Lopinto, he uh, was a very well-known uh, physician and obstetrician here in San Diego, and he served the Italian community. And he sadly got Alzheimer's. This is a brilliant man who was an ice skater, and he was a brilliant physician, very smart man. He studied other languages, and then all of a sudden, he just got Alzheimer's. And I was in middle school when this happened, and I saw him declining. And I was actually there the day he passed because my mom and I were were staying at my grandmother's house. And she uh, lived in Kensington. I'm in the Tierra Santa area of San Diego for those um, that are listening that are familiar with San Diego. And so Kensington is like a five-minute drive uh, down the uh, Interstate 15, and there you are. And so we, uh, you know, it was just a very odd thing because I was in middle school. I, I want to say I was 13 at the time, and my grandfather was bedridden and, you know, needed help 24 hours a day. He was rapidly declining. And I remember going to sleep the night before he passed. And I was upstairs. It was a two-story house, pretty large home in Kensington. And I was upstairs. And I remember waking up in the morning. I sat up in bed. I heard the garage door opening before knowing anything. And I said, oh, my goodness, Grandpa just died. And so I walked down the stairs and I went into the kitchen and I I saw my grandmother and my mom and I believe my aunt sitting there at the table and sure enough, he had passed away. And so I, at that young age, was able to go in his room and, and say my goodbyes and tell him that I loved him. And I did smell that scent of rose, which I guess is very common when someone passes and he had a very peaceful look to his face. And so that was like one experience that that I had with him. And then there, there have been other synchronous experiences uh, where he, obviously, I forgot to mention, he was in the military. So he, was, he served in World War II. And he had a military funeral at Greenwood Mortuary. And, oh, that was just my very first introduction to a funeral of that magnitude. And I remember sitting in the front row. And my grandmother was sitting to my right, my mom to my left. And I remember them giving my grandmother the flag. And when she touched it, she just started bawling. And I remember putting my arm around her and the, you know, the, the, the playing of the taps. And it just was so, so emotional for me at, at such a young age and pretty much everyone there. 
And on our way to the funeral, I remember we heard the song Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. And it was just weird how that came on. And so every once in a while, and this happens quite often, and uh, I will just randomly throughout the day hear that song come on. And it's usually when I'm thinking of him, of, of my grandfather. So it's experiences like that, you know, that we have to pay attention to because if not, they can be easily missed. And it's those synchronous uh, experiences. Um, I, I mean, I have so many discussed before I, I go on. Uh, okay, so there's a question. Yes, I, you know, I, I should have said this at the, at the beginning of the show, but yes, I will definitely, anyone who has questions, um, for me, you can pose them in the chat room on www.wltkdb.com, and I'll try to uh, get to all the questions. I mean, obviously, I may not answer them, you know, or be able to answer them to your liking, but but I will definitely try to accommodate all the questions that come through. So, you know, I, I'm kind of, this is my first show, and obviously there's a lot of learning that needs to be done. I'm going to get more smooth with it as time goes on. I'm going to, you know, get more in the swing of things. So it could sound a little choppy tonight, and I apologize for that. I feel like I'm going all over the place, but, uh, you know, practice makes perfect, right? So I, I forgot to, I, maybe I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but the distinction between ghosts and spirits, because and I do this, I do this, you know, all the time knowing this, but I, there's, there is a difference between an earthbound entity or a ghost versus an, an actual spirit that's evolved more in the realm because there's different levels of the spirit realm, different educational tiers once you get to the realm that you have to, to move through. And, and so, I think we need to be more cognizant, myself included, of, of of distinguishing between the two. Like an earthbound or a ghost is is someone that's passed, obviously, but may be stuck in this mortal arena for whatever purpose. Maybe it's by choice. Maybe it's by for unfinished business. Maybe it's uh, to. Uh, maybe it feels like it needs to because the the surviving family members are grieving so much that it doesn't have the freedom to move on. I mean, there could be numerous reasons. And then you have the spirit that has moved on from that earthbound state and has evolved, right? So uh, I know that's kind of like random. I should have mentioned that earlier, but I wanted to make that, that distinction. Uh, I uh, have, so on other shows, I should say that I've, I have talked a lot about my cat, Max, and I still have his sister, Kaylee. Sometimes you will hear her. She will make an appearance in the show. You know, she wants to be heard. She's a little diva. Right now, she's uh, sleeping on the bed, so we're going to hope that she stays quiet for the remainder of the show, but sometimes you will hear her talk. So anyways, she's still with me. She's 17 years old. I adopted Max and Kaylee after the 2003 wildfires in San Diego and I adopted them it was about a month after that and they were still kittens but they were about three months old and these two cats there's just such a connection that I have with them and 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 them with me and so Max passed away in uh 2016 from cardiomyopathy very very hard time I remember 
the night before he passed, I took him in because he was having uh, issues with his breathing. And so they weren't show they weren't sure if, if it was a reaction to his beta blockers for his car- heart condition, or if it was maybe he was going into heart failure. So of course we weren't hoping for the latter. Obviously we were just hoping it was a medication reaction and some time went by and I saw the doctor come out and I could tell by the look on his face that it was the latter. It was, it was definitely heart failure. And interestingly, again, synchronicity, synchronous moment here where the speakers above were, it was playing the song endless love. And I paid attention to that. And if you, you know, it's just the lyrics. I remember uh, reading the lyrics a couple of days later listening to the song again and I feel like it was in a way maybe Max was trying to tell me this or maybe it was just the universe trying to tell me you know what he is going to transition soon but there's that love will remain endless love and so I've written an article about it I believe I even titled it endless love the the bonds between humans and animals and so it's those experiences that and, the, and there have been so many of them that, that I've had throughout my life that I pay attention to. They're very comforting. They're very healing. It definitely helps with grieving. It definitely helps with the pain of, of, lose, of losing someone near to you, whether it's a family member or a friend or, or a coworker or an animal. It's, you know, those moments, there's messages in them. And I feel like that's how the spirit world works. It, it works by offering metaphorical sorts of of experiences for people and you either heed the message or you don't uh another example of this is uh i don't think i've ever alluded to this on on shows before but back in september uh, september 25th 1978 san diego was changed forever with the crash of pacific southwest airlines flight 182 that sadly uh, was it hit a um, a small plane? I, I don't know why I'm forgetting the name of this the plane. Actually, I mean hello. But it so what happened is that smaller plane was ascending, hit the right wing of the jetliner. Both went down, and the PSA plane uh, Cessna, the Cessna, that's what it was. Oh boy. Okay, so both planes went down, and the PSA plane hit. The, literally no the nose hit the the intersection of Dwight and Nile which is in North Park and at the time of the crash there are a lot of connections i have with this with this flight and at the time of the crash three different sets of relatives lived less than 0.5 or less than half a mile away from the crash and survived i have a dear friend whose father was one of the first responders I have another friend whose cousin uh, knew uh, one of, I'm not going to say names, just out of respect for surviving family members, uh, knew one of the, uh, knew one of the um, off-duty PSA members because a lot of uh, PSA crew were flying on that flight to attend uh, an operations training uh, at San Diego's airport. And PSA was actually, San Diego was its home. And so PSA Flight 182 what it came from, let's see, it flew from Sacramento, stop in LA, down to San Diego. My mom even flew PSA 182 on that flight when she lived in LA, when she was uh, a newly, uh, newly graduated from uh, nursing school. Okay, so there's a lot, of, a lot of connections. I've 
been to the crash site many times and I've had many unique experiences. Some are extremely personal. And so this past September 25th, I believe was the 42nd, if I did my math correct, 42nd anniversary of the uh, tragedy. And so my mom and I went, it was about 1.15 in the afternoon just to pay our respects. And they write the names of all the souls that were lost on in different colored chalk on the sidewalk. And they were, they have flowers there and they have uh, just some newspaper clippings on the fence and, and, and that sort of thing. It's a really nice little setup. And they usually have a memorial a ceremony each year, but this year due to COVID, they just had a very small uh, a memorial set up at that intersection. So we went and we paid our respects and I wrote something in chalk and blue that I remember distinctly. It was blue. And someone colored a rainbow on the sidewalk, a very big rainbow of all kinds of bright colors. And so after spending some time at the site and uh, shedding some tears and, and, and wishing them well, my mom and I drove home and we were going on this we literally just got in the car and we were in the car maybe about five minutes and we had just uh, gotten on the let's see uh, 805 north and all of a sudden the song over the rainbow by i think he went by is the hawaiian singer beautiful song over the rainbow came on so then i instantly made the connection of the rainbow on the sidewalk and the rainbow mentioned in the song over the rainbow. And there's certain lyrics to the song, such as, you know, uh, over the rainbow, way up high, uh, bluebirds fly, bluebirds fly. There's another connection there, meaning that uh, the PSA uh, planes were nicknamed the grinning birds. That was their nickname. And so there, I felt there was a message there with that song playing right after we visited and and the rainbows now a few days uh, actually it was a couple nights ago i was on youtube and just i wasn't even thinking psa at all i was just watching some different youtube videos and all of a sudden there was a kusi news uh, special that they did two years ago about the psa crash and they featured two uh surviving family members there was the mother of one of the flight attendants that I have felt a little bit of a connection to in, in looking at the pictures. Again, I'm not going to say names out of respect for surviving family members. So I, I just have felt like this connection with this particular flight attendant. I don't know why. It was weird. And so I watched the video and her mom was talking about how she loved to work for PSA and she joined PSA and she was in the ticketing and reservations department, but then really didn't want to stay in that department. She wanted to be a flight attendant because she wanted to fly. And so her mom was explaining this and then said, you know, at the time it was the competition was tough. So in order to stand out, she chose to uh, write her resume up and a rainbow of different colored pencils, again, with the rainbow connection. And so I'm explaining this, and some may be hearing this, and they may say, oh, yeah, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's fine. You don't, you know, that's fine. You don't have to believe this. 
for me personally, these we have to pay attention to these little synchronicities and the in these messages. And so again with that rainbow connection and I remember hearing her mom say that and it was like a visceral reaction that I had on my body. It's hard to explain. It's very hard to explain in person. It really is. But it was a visceral emotional reaction I had to that where I almost knew, yes, this is a message. And I actually started crying and I, I had goosebumps and it was just that, that very, very profound experience. Those, if you've had it, you know what I'm talking about. No words can really, really describe it. Uh, and then of course uh, we have a break coming up in a couple of minutes and then uh, I will go ahead and uh, bring my mom, Norma Strickland. Yes, that's going to be my Get first guest for the second hour, and I put a lot of thought into that. And I definitely wanted her on as my first guest. So we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes. Before that, though, you know, as I alluded to earlier, my cousin Pam, my second cousin Pam, passed away uh, three weeks ago, and I believe it was oh gosh, September nineteenth. I want to say it was September nineteenth or September twentieth. Passed away from cancer uh, in the hospital, and so we just last week had. She didn't have a funeral, but we all met at Fort Rosecrans. She's going to be buried, or she is buried with her her second husband. And so she, uh, we uh, were there for the burial, and it was just a very uh, emotional time. But I I could sense that that she was at peace, and uh, I actually asked her at one point. It was a couple of nights before the burial. I said, Pam, can you tell me? what it's like where you are and i heard her say it's beautiful and that just helped with my grief and it just it made it all that much more you know easy to endure so uh we're going to take a break in a few seconds but uh so like i said at the top of the hour a few minutes after um top of the hour we're going to bring in my mom norma strickland and we're going to discuss her times as a nurse. We're going to discuss some uh, experiences she's had when she was a nursing student, the dying process, grief and loss. So uh, really excited to have her on. So we're going to take a break for a couple of minutes and then we'll come right back. Stay tuned, folks. WLTK DB Let's Talk It could get hit again I'm Lisa Lacerra, Fox News The governor of Louisiana urging people to prepare as Hurricane Delta bears down Governor John Bell Edwards says Hurricane Delta is heading straight for a portion of the state that's least prepared to take it It is very clear that southwest Louisiana is going to get more of a punch from this than we would like to see for sure Uh, because we're still trying to recover from Hurricane Laura. Edwards ordering evacuations for several parishes ahead of Delta's expected arrival Friday evening. I know that the people all over Louisiana, in particular southwest Louisiana, are very strong. They're very resilient. They're very faithful. Uh, and they're going to be tested here. The governor says shelters have social distancing measures in place to protect people from both the storm and the pandemic. Steve Rappaport, Fox News. The Trump campaign out with a statement a short time ago calling for an in-person debate next week between President Trump and former Vice President Biden. 
saying the president's doctor said he could return to public events on Saturday, a full five days before the scheduled face-off, and accusing the commission of protecting Joe Biden. Frank Ferencoff, the head of the Commission on Presidential Debates, on why the decision was made this morning to hold the debate virtually. Too many questions as to whether or not we could present this with many, many people who are going to be present in Miami who would be you know, vulnerable if, if they were going to catch something if, it, if we weren't comfortable. So we thought the best thing to do to make sure that the debate continued was to do it virtually. And that's why we came out with it. The president said this morning he would not do a virtual debate. Biden said this this afternoon. We set the dates. I'm sticking with the dates. I'm showing up. I'll be there. And in fact, if he shows up fine, if he doesn't, fine. Though the Biden campaign has now scheduled a town hall for the same time as what was to be the second debate. America is listening to Fox News. For over 20 years, millions of customers have trusted Blinds.com to update their homes. Because Blinds.com makes it easy to get custom blinds that'll give your windows a high-end look without the high-end price. Whether you like to DIY, need design help, or prefer measure and install services, they do it all with easy online ordering and free shipping right to your door. If you're unsure, know that Blinds.com has over 30,000 five-star customer reviews. And they guarantee the perfect fit for your windows, whether you do it yourself or have them measure and install everything for you. Right now, shop Blinds.com's annual friends and family sale right from home with easy online ordering and free shipping right to your door. You'll save up to 40% on everything through October 13th. Blinds, shades, interior shutters, and more. Plus, pay over 24 months at 0% APR on qualifying purchases with PayPal Credit Easy Payments. Ends January 31st, 2021. As of September 1st, 2020, new PayPal credit accounts have a variable purchase APR of 23.99% that will vary with the market based on the prime rate. Minimum interest charge is $2. Subject to credit approval. Visit Blinds.com slash PayPal. Other rules and restrictions may apply. A high school principal who was fired after comments about the Holocaust now has his job back. The principal of a Boca Raton, Florida high school has been rehired more than a year after telling a parent in an email he was not in a position to say the Holocaust is a factual historical event. Also that not all parents have the same beliefs. The Palm Beach County School Board in a 4-3 vote also agreeing to more than $150,000 in back pay for William Latson according to the Palm Beach Post. Board officials say refusal to rehire him could could lead to a lawsuit and add to the more than $100,000 it's already spent defending his termination. District officials have said Latson would not work on campus. Lillian Wu, Fox News. Facebook and Twitter say they have taken down more than a dozen disinformation networks used by political and state-backed groups in multiple countries designed to deceive users in separate statements. This, uh, dis- tensions between the countries of Armenia and Azerbaijan are heating up over a disputed territory. Hostilities continued around Nagorno-Karabakh. Both sides have vowed to fight until the end for the hotly contested territory. But international alarm bells are ringing ever louder. Turkey said it supports Azerbaijan, quote, with all our heart and accused the Armenians of having a spoiled and uncompromising attitude. But Armenians are incensed that Turkey is weighing in and are begging the U.S., France, and Russia, who have long been the internationally accepted mediating committee on this conflict, to work fast to help resolve the situation. The head of a six-country military alliance led by Russia warned they could intervene if it were deemed Armenia's sovereignty was under threat. Amy Kellogg. Fox News. AT&T's Warner Media is reportedly preparing a restructuring that the company says would cut costs by as much as 20%. The Wall Street Journal says thousands of people who work for HBO, TBS, and TNT could lose their jobs. I'm Lisa Lacera. This is Fox News. 
Now is the time to update your window treatments during Blinds.com's annual friends and family sale. Get a high-end look without the high-end price. For a limited time, go to Blinds.com now and save up to 40% on all blinds, shades, interior shutters, and more until October 13th. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, it's five minutes past the second hour on the WLTKDB network. You are listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond with yours truly. Make sure to join us in chat if you haven't already at www.wltkdb.com. Okay, time is flying by. I can't believe it's already the second hour. So we discussed a lot in the first hour. Uh, my background leading up to the radio show, some of my own uh, experiences with the afterlife. And I'm telling you, that is just the tip of the iceberg. I've had so many. And so the second hour, I'm going to bring on my debut guest. And I do want to say that I, I thought really long and hard on who I wanted to have for my first guest. And I went with my heart and I asked my my dear friend, I'm very close to her as I am with, with my dad, uh, Byron Strickland. Dad, if you're listening, hello, I love you. Uh, but I'm also very close with my, my mom, Norma Strickland. Uh, and so I asked her if she'd like to be the debut guest. And she said, oh, of course. And so we talked a little bit about how we wanted to, uh, what you know, the discussions we were going to address and all that. So I am so happy to... Welcome, my mom, Norma Strickland, to the Afterlife Chronicles. How are you, mom? Oh, my gosh. I am so excited to be here, and I'm so happy for you. When you first, oh. opened, when you first opened, I started to shed tears, you know, me with crying. Just to <laughs> see one of your dreams coming true. It's just oh. so awesome. So thank you. I feel honored to even be here. So thank you a million times. course i mean it's it's great to have you and you know you and i share uh, such a close bond we have for many years and we've also had a lot of shared experiences with with the spirit realm i mean you've actually uh attended some of our tours and have even uh been a guest on some of our investigations but beside that just in life we've had a lot of shared experiences with the spirit realm and the afterlife which we're going to talk about and i also too uh, with your background as a nurse, I thought that that would provide uh, a really good uh, discussion point for getting into topics like grief and loss and, and the dying process and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I do have a question. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this, but, but for listeners, what are your personal beliefs in the afterlife? And how would you describe the spirit world to someone? I think my in beliefs- your own opinion. My beliefs have changed over the years from when I was younger mm-hmm. and now I'm older. And I have to I have to tell you, I have learned so much through you and your experience and your sharings and your team with Allie. I've learned so much. It's right. helped to open my eyes and my heart and my mind. So I, I love that Kubler, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross quote where she says, and she's the, the one that's just was so... Uh, did so much research into the dying process. Absolutely. That I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no death the way we understood it. The body dies, but not the soul. And then you've heard this before. 
you think about energy, there's we're in it, there's energy. And when the body dies, that energy doesn't die. Energy goes on. Exactly. So, you know, I can't really, I don't think I'm have the words to try and describe the spirit world, but I would like to, to, to say that there it's a transition. I, I think of it now. I used to think of death when I was younger, more as an end. Right. And I don't want to just say it's a beginning, but just a transition. And it's, it's just a transition. And so life goes on in, within our hearts and just and so many experiences that you mentioned. I've also experienced so many things. And if we open our eyes and our minds to it, I mean, how much richer our, our lives are. Oh, I, I can't agree more. Do you have, I mean, I, that's like so well said. I mean, do you have any like profound experiences that you'd like to share that maybe altered your belief in how you perceive the afterlife or maybe changed your viewpoints about it? Actually, with the, with the cats, with Simba and the kitty cats that have passed, I have actually been open, I guess more open, and I, I've actually had Simba the cat jump up on the bed. I know it was him because I could feel him. I could just feel it was him. And he was 18 when he passed, and I can. there's times when he's jumped up on the bed, and I know it's him, and experiences like that. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the same goes, I mentioned Max um, first hour, and, and same thing. I mean, there have been numerous times where I felt Max, and Max was like a 19, 20-pound cat. He was a big boy. Was and big I, boy. I will not necessarily see him, but I, I'll feel the kerplump on the bed and I'll feel like the him walking up. I've even felt uh, or sensed his like a disembodied breath in, in my face. And I know it was him because he used to always like lay on my chest. Uh, I've seen him uh, in the, in the house. I know you mentioned you've seen, I, I've also seen Simba too. I've seen yes, Simba's spirit Simba and even Merlin and Merlin and he, as well. But to be more open to it, I think, and then I think I loved what you said about, people in the world now starting to open up thanks yeah. to all the paranormal uh, all of your colleagues all of what you're doing is helping right. people to to be more aware of it and i agree with you that people we keep this inside and it's almost like like a secret you know you don't want to tell anybody what are they going to think of me exactly that's so true but you'll find out if you do start sharing things with people, then they start opening up. They feel the freedom to start opening up. I mean, that yeah. that's almost a central theme with a lot of our, not necessarily historical clients, because they know the site and they know the types of, of activity that, that's occurring there, but more business and private residence clients. A central theme that we have from them is, you know, they, they feel like, oh, am I crazy? I just want to be validated. I just want to know that I'm not crazy. Exactly. And so, you know, that's so important. I think more and more people are, are uh, definitely, you know, more open to these experiences. I feel like they have more freedom to, to express the experiences. Absolutely. And I love what um, you said about, I love, love, loved what you said about respect and, and respecting the spirit realm, how important. That I think is. it's so, yeah, I think it's definitely a hallmark. I think it's a, a hallmark importance to absolutely do that. Uh, so um, let's see. Yeah. You know, I Simba and Merlin, uh, they lived, gosh, I think Simba was 18. Merlin was up there too. And I adopted Merlin and Simba when I was at the university of Arizona 
And so when I came back to San Diego, you know, they, they kind of, <laughs> I mean, they're, they've always been my babies, but they became yours too. And so, uh, yeah, I've had many experiences with them as well. And it's really opened up my eyes. And, you know, with animal animals are so sensitive too. Oh, I absolutely. mean, they're almost more sensitive than, than humans are. So it, you know, it makes sense that they're going to, to visit. And you've had, didn't you have a dream of Simba or was it Merlin? No, I've had dreams of Simba. Oh, definitely. I've had dreams a lot. of Simba. A lot. And, and just holding him in my arms. And it's incredible. It's just, it's wonderful. And when you wake up, you feel so close. You feel so right. close to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're, you know, you're aware of my 20 years or so in the, in the paranormal uh, research field. We've had many discussions about the paranormal and afterlife over the years. Uh, in your opinion, how has the paranormal field contributed to society's views on life and death? Oh, absolutely. I think they just helped to open everyone's people's eyes to the possibility. I, I must say, and I don't mean to criticize anybody at all. I'm not in favor of shows that do things like try and provoke the spirit right. world. I, I don't think that's probably the best uh, for the world to see, but absolutely. I think it's, it's, um, the paranormal research and the paranormal. And I don't know for how many years, probably many years this has been going on. Do you know? I, I don't know. When yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, I, I mean, there's always been, because there's so many different cultures that have different views on, on life after death. But I, you know, in the, the last 50 years, I think there's been, and especially I would say in the last 20, uh, it's such a jump in, in the interest in, in the paranormal. And I mean, there's a lot of, and I agree with you regarding the shows and, you know, I've been on a couple of shows. I, I have, I've been on national TV. I've done some local news appearances and they're fun and all that. I, I agree with you in, in that some of the shows can be sensational and, and over the top, but you know, if you, if you want to look on the other side of the coin too, you know, they, they do help to, uh, spread awareness in, in what we do. And, you know, some of the locations, you can see the history and learn about the history and some of the equipment that, that we use and, and those sort of things. So there's pros and cons, but that's true. But that's I definitely, true. definitely uh, agree with you on that. I wanted to, cause it's already, you know, 15 minutes. I mean, we have just, I think like 45 more minutes. You've been a nurse for 50 years now, 50 right? Years. 50 years. Yes. What's can you describe a little bit about your nursing background? I have an eclectic background. Uh, psychiatric, Great, that's awesome. Just psychiatric nursing, hospital nursing, um, um, and then of course I did some hospice nursing. Of course, now I'm a school nurse, but um, my earlier years were in in med, med medical surgical floors, um, rotating even into the intensive care units. Yeah, you've so been I, everywhere. Did you have a favorite? A favorite. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Did oh, you have no. a favorite at all? A favorite uh, rotation or a favorite? I guess subject? probably my very favorite over the years was my medical, the sixth floor at Mercy Hospital in San Diego. That was my one of my very favorites. And that's where a grandpa worked too, um, as yes, well. Please. He worked at at Mercy Hospital. So, being a nurse, I'm sure you've had some experiences with you know, having to experience, I'm using experience a lot in the show. I apologize for using that word, but you've 
met a lot of patients that were in the process of transitioning. I imagine, especially with hospice. Yes. Yes. Uh, Do you have any experiences? Here I go with that word again. Hello. Situations that you'd like to share where you were here. You are as a nurse. I think you have one when you were a student nurse and you had to endure a patient that was in the process of transitioning. And it brings up the important point of, of, of maybe we all need to learn more about the dying process. But yes, uh, I was a student nurse and it was a little baby who had been abandoned and he was terminally ill and there was nobody. And of course, the student nurse was assigned to him. And so I just felt such an intensive need to to bless him just with my I have a religious background but this this it was more more than that it was just I wanted to do whatever I could to bless that little child it was a very uncomfortable um sensation that that he had been abandoned and I have another experience too uh I can tell you later if if you'd like too and it was a it, again a student nurse and it you can young, share it now if you'd like okay it was a young woman and she was going to give birth. Her husband was overseas. It was a military uh, husband and wife. No family here. No family here. And they assigned an, a student nurse. This is what the, the instructor did. assigned me, the student nurse, to this young woman who was giving birth to a stillborn. And she knew it. Oh, my God. The baby had died. And so I'm, I'm going to start crying. She oh, my gosh. The baby had died. And she still had to go through the birthing process. And so what, what can you do? What can you do? Right. I I hope, and as I look back, I hope that I was there and could give her some comfort, but what can you do in a situation like that? So it brings to me the fact that in this world, we do everything we can to save lives. Wonderful. Science to extend lives. Wonderful. Absolutely. We all, people die. And so how important it is to maybe have more, experience in the dying process so if it it can happen on the street you might be walking and somebody passes out death isn't always a long process sometimes it's sudden so i think it would be good to have more experience or more education in the actual dying process and also to help the families more you know oh absolutely i mean that was my question i mean do you think it it's i mean obviously a duty of of any medical practitioner to uh, to study, you know, not only the dying process, but to help not only the patients, but the family members as well. I can, yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Do you feel it's a, yeah, do you feel it's a responsibility, uh, to, to do that? Absolutely. And we can tell, I mean, I, I, we obviously need to take a break in a couple of minutes and I know we'll, we'll definitely discuss that as well as um, some more experiences. Obviously, I, there was one with grandpa that I wanted to mention and then more of your experiences as an RN and, and uh, dealing with patients and family members and, and the whole dying process and grief and loss. So we'll definitely uh, get to that after the break. So stay tuned, folks. Others say it. We prove it. We 
media controlling transmission. WLTK DB. Let's talk. Alternative Talk Radio. WLTKDB.com. Patreon is a place for creators. We're one of them. Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash WLTKDB. Check out all the unique support tiers we offer. You can get early release episodes, station mugs and t-shirts, free station service work, and much more. Help the station reach its $1,000 per month goal to make our station totally ad-free. Patreon.com slash WLTKDB. We appreciate your support. Going on vacation can be an overwhelming task. Let's face it. You want the best destinations at the cheapest prices, but where do you even start? The confusion stops now, and Mickey World Travel is exactly where you need to be. Ryan Wren, a travel consultant with Mickey World Travel, will take the reins and leave you with this instead of this. No way! From Disney Cruises to Walt Disney Parks, Ryan works hard for you and gets you that perfect vacation you deserve. Getting started is as simple as calling 615-815-5529. That's 615-815-5529. Or email Ryan at ryan at mickeyworldtravel.com. Ryan Wren and Mickey World Travel. Making memories that last a lifetime. Twenty-two minutes past the second hour, and you are listening to the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond debut radio show this evening. I am super excited. I can't believe the show's almost over. We have another what forty minutes left or so. Uh, if you haven't already, again, I'm going to remind you to please join the chat room www.wltkdb.com. And there's people in there. If you have a question, you can pose your question in chat and we'll uh, obviously get to that question and hopefully answer it to your liking. So tonight, uh, second hour, I am having my mom, my dear friend, on. And we're discussing a lot of pertinent things, I think, related to uh, uh, the dying process and, and grief and loss. We talked a little bit about some of her uh, experiences with the spirit realm. Uh, I know uh, there was one that I wanted to address uh, right before the break. We were talking about some of her experiences with uh, her nursing background and, and how she had to uh, uh, endure the transition process of, of a young patient in the NICU and obviously being there for a mother who had to give birth stillborn. A uh, very, very, very difficult and trying time. And so we're going to uh, extend on that discussion. I do want to say, though, because I knew it was going to happen, folks, my cat Kaylee is in the background meowing, and I'm stuck at my computer. And so obviously she wants her fancy feast. I'm going to get up and feed her when this is all said and done. But if you hear her meow, just try to ignore it. I do apologize. I'm thinking of maybe having this as incorporating it as a running gag or something something to the effects of anyone in chat who can guess 
at what time my cat will meow we'll get a free book or something I don't know we're thinking about something but just try to ignore her you know I'm sorry I really do and I'm trying I'm going to work on this for future episodes but we're just dealing with it tonight so anyways Oh, mom, thank you so much for joining me on this uh, debut episode. I'm so excited to have you on. And I am thrilled to be here. So yeah. thank you. I, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, and, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the paranormal and, and we've shared, have, we've had a lot of shared experiences and, and uh, you know, occurrences that we've both, uh, you know, been privy to over the years. There was one with I remember you and I talking the other day about grandpa after he passed away and you were mentioning uh an occurrence that happened I don't know how many days after but you were sitting outside at night can you elaborate on that absolutely it was a beautiful night the sky was clear and there were stars and you know of course when you lose someone you're sad and all of a sudden there was an overwhelming sense of peace and of warmth. I just, I can't even express it. Like you said earlier, some things you can't express in words, right. but I knew it, I was so close to him at that moment. And it was just uh, a wonderfully warm feeling that I'll never forget. I, I've, I've been there. I know. I mean, it's hard to put it in words. It really is. But I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's almost as if that was his message to you of saying, you know, you know, sweetie, I'm, I'm free. I'm okay. You know, I'm not confined by Alzheimer's anymore. I'm, I'm free. Absolutely. That's, that's what I get from it. And I get the same too. thing too. Just yes. like I mentioned uh, previously how sometimes I'll hear the song Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. And it usually occurs when I'm thinking of him randomly it comes on randomly on the radio, or if I'm listening to Pandora, there it is. You've had that too, right? Where that song. song. Yeah. In one in one position I had in nursing, I was able to on my lunch break, I would drive shortly after, you know, he had passed to the cemetery and I would put some flowers. Every time I went there, every single time, oh, wow. five times on the radio, that song came on. Now that's and not that, coincidence. That's that not is- coincidence. That's not, and see, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't know about you, but I I don't believe in coincidences. I I think there's always a reason for everything. And for both of us to have that almost synchronous, you know, occurrence with hearing that song. And I, like I said earlier, the first time I heard it in, in relation to grandpa was when we were all caravanning to his military funeral. Yeah. That's the first time. Yeah. And there was... Speaking of grandpa, there's one thing that I I forgot to mention, and it's a personal experience. And this is, it's something to maybe not analyze too much, but it was definitely, in my opinion, one of those messages, because a lot of times the spirit world will work with metaphors, they'll work with symbols to communicate, whether it's like a feather, for example, or or via song, or via a sequence of numbers, it, it can be several things. And I remember coming home from, or actually, it was to grandma's house, after uh, grandpa's military funeral. And I remember going upstairs, and on hanging on the wall before, uh, before that day, or before we got home, was a picture. Now, I'm not saying this for religious purposes. I'm not trying to bring religion in here. I'm saying this just to show as another example 
maybe the metaphor behind what this is. So there was a picture previously of Jesus hanging on the cross, hanging up on the wall upstairs in the, in the, in the rumpus room upstairs. And so I remember after grandpa's military funeral, we got home to grandma's house. I remember going upstairs. I think I was going to change or something like that. And that exact picture was off the wall, broken. The glass was broken. And the actual Jesus portion was off the cross. And I, I was 13, I think, at the time. But I knew at that point, I said, whoa, this is like, whoa, this is way out there. And so now as an adult, I, I feel like that was metaphorically trying either way. I don't know if it was him per se or the universe trying to tell me and say, he's no longer confined by the illness of Alzheimer's. He's no longer stuck there and, you know, pinned, you know, so there's that metaphor there. So I, that's kind of how I took from that. That's and those are, those are, those are like little experiences that are so personal to people, but those are the things that you almost have to pay attention to. And I, to I forgot to mention, um, I don't, I mean, what do you think of that? That's, oh, no, that's, I mean, it gives me goosebumps. I mean, that is so, and it's true what you say. It's very personal and that's, what's important. Each person, the meaning for right. them, it doesn't, it, is. Don't, it doesn't have to be approved by anybody else. It's just, that exists. That's there. Exactly. Exactly. And I just think it, you know, there, if you're more open to it and more receptive to it, you're going to, you're going to heed the messages that are, are meant that are, you know, meant to, to come to you. And that, and that's what I've learned a lot from you, Nicole, so very much. Oh, well, I, I mean, you too. I mean, you know, it just, it, it takes one to know one, I guess. I mean, I, I think in the, in the paranormal research field and those that are there that are, passionate about communicating with the spirit realm I, we learn from each other there's a collective learning going on and i've always felt that shared knowledge leads to brightened horizons i, I really do believe in that i remember the now the sarah museum is another iconic uh location that we've been privy to investigate i think we've been i think we were the only team i don't know if there was another team that investigated the site previously but uh, my dear friend, you know, you've met Gabe, Gabe Selak of the San Diego History Center, and he served as a consultant uh, to the San Diego Paranormal Research Society. And he uh, has, you know, came on a lot of our investigations. We did a, a project at the Rancho Buena Vista Adobe. He, we did uh, a couple investigations at the Sarah Museum, which he, uh, or, you know, facilitated. And so you attended that one, I think it was the first night that we did an investigation. You had a really profound experience. We were all sitting in the main area there and we were doing a, or conducting an electronic voice phenomena slash instrumental transcommunication session right then and there. And you had a really profound experience. I did, I did. right there on the floor as this was going on, the floor all began to pulsate. I can't explain it to you better than that, but it was pulsating, not the entire room, but just an area there near, near where I was. What did it. that visually? Yeah. I remember that. I remember you mentioning that too, because it's pulsating. on the audio. Yeah. That's all I could say was How pulsating. Would, what did you visually see when that, when that was happening? Just the movement of the floor pulsating, which made me, it was alive. It was alive. Right. And yeah. that's what and you felt? Yes. 
And it was actually shortly after that. I mean, we were using different devices, but we did have an ovulus. And, you know, the ovulus is a device that's, you know, experimental. I don't solely pay attention to what words come through it. I put it in context and use it with other devices. And if there's, you know, maybe, for example, if we get like an EVP that correlates to a word that emanates through the ovulus, well, that's something, that's two pieces of information that you can maybe connect and so it was shortly after that, that pulsating uh, phenomenon that you endured where we had, we were asking, I, I don't remember the question. It may have been something, I'd have to review the audio, but it may have been something around the likes of, is there anyone here that would like to communicate with us? And the word spirit yeah. came through. Yeah. And it was, right, it was literally within a minute or two after you had that experience. So that kind of shows almost like a personal experience being potentially backed up by some sort of piece of data. That was a really great night. Oh, that was a really, really great night. Dear dear man, Gabe, it is too. You know, and speaking of Gabe, I I mean, he, he, oh gosh, one of my favorite people. I miss him so much. Uh, About, I want to say it was about a month before he passed. He sent me a picture of, and it was at night and it was of clouds and the moon was shining on the clouds. And he said, look at this. And he sent me the picture and I saw now there could have been some pareidolia going on where you, you, you know, where you make uh, images out of, of certain cloud structures and all that. But he sent me this image and I, and I saw what I saw, but I didn't tell him. I said, um, I kept that silent because I wanted to hear what he said. I said, well, what do you see, Gabe? He's like, this is, it's an angel. And I said, that's exactly what I see. And then it was about three or four weeks later that he passed. That he passed. Oh, yeah. And I feel he's, I feel he's in a, a really good place. Yeah. I miss him so much though. Such a dear man. Dear man. Dear. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to segue now back into your experiences um, as a nurse. I mean, as I said, you, I mean, you've been a nurse for 50 years. You've had so many different branches of nursing that you've studied and, and you've worked in. And I, I alluded to this before, but I want to discuss it a little bit more. Do you believe there's a responsibility of registered nurses, and this goes for other medical practitioners, to help patients and family members with the death process and almost the grief and loss process? Do you feel there's a, there's a duty among them to to help with that? And if so, how should they go about it, in your opinion, as someone that's been in the field for 50 years? Absolutely, I do. Now, I, I haven't looked into the the more recent programs for nurses, but in our student training, we go through various m- medical, obstetrics, psychiatric, right. and I'm right. wondering if they've incorporated, now that we have hospice nursing, if they've incorporated students, student nurses going for a few weeks into a hospice setting, because that would be ideal. Hospice is, is a very, very, very good program. They really do help prepare families. Um, and I would hope that all of those working in that are at one with themselves with death, if you can ever experience, if you can ever get to that point. Right. It, it's very, it's the whole world. I mean, we, we, we want to focus on living absolutely. And I said before, it's important and everything to survive. But the death process for somebody, my father, you talked about grandpa, he was in the service. And one thing he shared with me, he had this um, 
a, it was a bill. I don't remember if it was a $2 bill, a $5 bill, whatever. And he had all the signatures of the, the men that he, that he served with. And one day he was sharing his experiences with me and he started to actually cry. And he said oh. that because he was a physician, he was a, a medical officer there. And he said, and it, it was in Guam that he, one of his places that he went to. And he said, the young, the young fellow, 17 years old, Norma, and they're dying and they're calling out for their mother. And all I can do is give them morphine, you know? So yeah. it's, it's just something that I hope we can all if we ever experience it, and like I, it could happen anywhere. I was at that casino with my parents when they were up in Las Vegas. That's and, right. Oh and a, my and goodness. And a man drops to the floor. He drops to the floor. And so of course I'm bending down and he doesn't have a pulse. He's not breathing. So I'm, I'm giving him his, you know, doing the CPR on him. And then the paramedics came, but it can happen suddenly, so suddenly on the street. It's to not anyone. always where people get sick and they suffer a long time. Sometimes it's a sudden death. Right. I always think of, too, when in the hospital, and I don't want it to depress anybody talking about dying, but there's there's a phenomenon that occurs when people die, and it's called the tear of death. There's a tear, and I think Harry, yes. Harry Marion's, uh, your other grandmother, Harry, uh, when he died, we saw that, too. I was in the room when he passed. Yes. yes. And I don't know physiologically. And I, I'd like to think that there's something spiritual to that. Um, right. You know, the body separating from the soul. And I, I, there's just so much to death, you know, that, of course, we want to yeah, it's like, I, don't, I don't want to depress anybody. So I don't want to focus on that. But no, no, that's I mean, that's, you know, this is what, you know, we're talking about tonight. And it's, it's important to discuss this because physical death is, is a part of life. It's just a part of life. It is. And, and understanding that is going to inevitably help with the grief and loss. I mean, it, you know, if you were teaching, let's say you were teaching a group of nursing students about, and it's hard to teach, you can't teach right. someone some of this. Right. But in a way you can, if you were teaching a course to nursing students and you, you were in the, and the subject was you have a patient that is in the imminent stages of transitioning to the next world. How would you instruct them how to handle that? What are, what, how, you know, what would you share with them? Like, how do you think they should handle that whole process? Well, that's a difficult question, but because it's different for every person, it's it different is, for, it is yeah, different. I, I get think, that. I think being there because I, I would imagine not having died, but I would imagine there can, there can be some fear that goes along with that. Right. Um, I, I would think I would tell them, don't give anybody any kind of false hope. It reminds me of that movie. And I, I this goes way back and long before everybody that's probably listening uh, was born. But it was a movie with Susan Hayward and it was called I Want to Live. Yes. She was a character who was, was involved in crime and she ended up being on death row. And to make a long story short, she was going to get the gas chamber. So they've got her in there mm. and she was kind of a tough character uh, in there. And so the guy that was facilitating it tells her she has her mask on and he tells her it was a gas chamber. And he tells her when you hear the pellet drop, count to 10 and take a deep breath, it makes it easier. And she says, how the hell would you know? Yeah. So I, I would not want to, I would tell them, don't give them any false hope, but just be right. with them and tell them that they're loved. And, right. you know, that, that's what I would say that. To answer. I, yeah, I think that that, and, and, and again, 
every person's different. The nurse is going to be different. The medical practitioner is going to be different how he or she handles it. And of course, the, the person that's transitioning too is different. So, but I, I love what you said about just the, the false hope, you know, right. just being there, being genuine, showing them that, that they're loved, you Touching know, that there's, and, right. And even if they're in coma, because, you know, everyone knows now that way, even when people are comatose, they can hear you. So just the kind word. And, and then it's right. a matter of us getting comfortable with that inside. Absolutely. You know, that, Absolutely. And, and that's what your paranormal, all of what you're doing is, is it this helping is, us to yeah. see there's more that there's transition. So it really make, would make us stronger when someone's dying because we know exactly. And it's a, it's a rite of passage. It is. You want to want to accept that. And so. you want to honor that. And you, I, I personally, I don't think, we can study and and conduct paranormal research without paying involving the grief and loss and the dying process that it right. goes hand in hand and i will say that you know i'm i'm a very sensitive person it runs in our family uh, grandma was uh very sensitive you're very sensitive i'm very sensitive empathic uh, along those lines and you know when you're it just when you're more sensitive you're more vulnerable but i i will say that my work in the paranormal has in many ways helped me with the dying process and, and the whole, the grief, the five stages of grief that, that occur after that. And not everyone, you know, experiences those in in the order, but it's definitely, definitely helped me. Um, I remember you, well, I was actually just the other day, you were telling me a, a profound experience when you were a hospice nurse. And I remember in Las Vegas, I was about, what, five years old. And sometimes you would take me to when you had to go see patients, oh, you would take awful. me and yeah. I would wait in the waiting room. And I remember being outside, just out in the atrium there. And they, there was this little like toad that they had and I would pick it up and play with it. I don't like, not that that's at all important to the show, but I just remember that. But I was exposed in in a way at such a young age to your to your work uh, in the hospice industry, and so you had a profound experience with one of your patients. Um, I believe, yeah. I can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Just the, uh, the elderly man. That, that no, it was the the uh, a daughter and her mother. It was oh, that my patient. Goodness, my yes, goodness. of course, of course. Yes, the mother and and the daughter. She was young, and then she had a condition and and uh, a terminal, and um, mm-hmm. she was in actually then moved over to hospice in, where she was in the in the bed there, and her mother was there as well, and she was passing, getting very very close, and um, oh, it was very personal. I don't know how much more I can say about that. No, Just no, absolutely, but I I do remember you saying that you were gently talking to her and letting her know it's going to be okay just whispering in her not trying not to give any false hope right but but just just whispering in her ear you're not alone you're loved right she was so young and oh it's so hard to see and how did she if you remember how did she physically respond or did you sense like a more of a relaxation after you were telling her okay i did i felt that she relaxed she started to relax what she needed that's what that's if i i'm trying to put myself in that place that's what i would want right is just somebody to be there. You know, we're, we're, we come into this world alone, even though we're, we come through with our mother, through our mother. Right. But actually, we have to go through that little canal that by ourselves. And it's the same with death. We have to change. We have to cross over by ourselves. Even though there's somebody maybe holding our hands, they're not coming with us. 
No. So I mean, we may be greeted. Alone. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, that whole, the process of like going from point A to point B, I get that you're doing it alone, but you may be greeted by, you know, a loved one when you're there, but oh, yeah, yeah, it's, absolutely. I, I think in many ways, birth is similar to death. It's, it's almost like a rebirth. It's just here you birth into this, this realm and you have your duties and your experiences. And then when it's time to go, you go to the next and, you know, it's, it's, it's like the soul's evolution, absolutely. right? And you know something else, too, as you mentioned that now, birth and death, with mm-hmm. my mother dying on my birthday. Also, that's what, that was your father's birthday. Oh, yes. That's your father's birthday. My da- I know my mom and dad, have, you guys have the same birthday. It's so funny. But, <laughs> but what I was going to say, though, is that, you know, it's, it's almost like she, death, birth, and death. She, she united birth and death. And I right. can't explain that in words. I don't. I it, it's, it's, I, a, it's a very profound personal gift that. Right for you that really is meant for you and so you there is no need to really explain it i get it i really do get it yeah yeah i agree though i think that there's definitely more education not just for medical practitioners but for everyone because like you said someone can just drop of a heart attack and you know cpr trainings uh you know, that just, was the ideal, Nicole. CPR trainings, of course, they're teaching I, everyone how to save, but then they can say, okay, if your fellow or your gal that you're trying to save doesn't make it, what can you do? You know, and, and right. it, you know, that would, that would be good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's see here. I, yeah, like I, I just kind of had a, a brain fart there, but yeah, people can oh, be I faced have them with all them. The time, oh, yeah, I have the. I know me too, and it's late. If it's been every a busy day, day I have every day, yeah. So I, w- I was actually thinking of something when, when, when it went blank there. So I apologized, but yeah, people can be faced with an unexpected death at any moment in time. So I think that it having that background knowledge and and on how to handle it, I think, is very important. And I think it's important to tune into our feelings about death from not only our up bringing but from our from a cultural standpoint as well so um let's see and just being more open just just into life and like to this spirit realm and maybe being open and and talking about people dying sometimes they do they're they don't know it consciously but their bodies you know their soul they they know that they're going to go like grandma called you right day before so if we're more exactly we might be able to you know be more in tune to that absolutely and I think too, you know, I, I was mentioning uh, the the Pacific Southwest Airlines crash uh, oh, earlier, yeah. and I've never been in this situation, obviously to know, but I would like to think that before someone, before the physical body, before that second, when the physical body experiences physical death, that the soul and that the the the, the vibrance of a person, the soul of that person leaves. Leaves, absolutely. I Before. agree 100%, Nicole. And speaking of which, I wanted to... Yeah. to, to I, would like to th- I would like to think that... Oh, I do too. I, I, any, type, any type of traumatic, violent, I think that is going to end up in, in, in that death and then transition, I think it leaves. It leaves long before, so there's not a lot of suffering. I was one month pregnant with, when that plane crashed, so there's that connection for you too. I, I know there's that connection and I, and, and you were a pretty distraught over that oh, yeah. as well. And so, yeah, I mean, that's another yeah. connection to it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that 
is it, I wish there would be a way to study if that actually happens, but I, that'd be very hard to do to, you know, to know if in actuality, the soul does leave the body five or 10 seconds before that, that well, violent that death occurs. I mean, I, I wish there was a way to study that. I do too. I, that would um, be fantastic if there was. And maybe that's absolutely. Can, can and so day. we're, you know, time goes by. F- uh, yeah. I mean, maybe we will get to the point where it can be studied. So we understand that a little bit more. So, it, you know, we have about 10 minutes left and time goes by. I told you it would. Time goes by really fast on these shows. I'm, I'm hoping. I that- want to ask you. Do is you want me to say something? You're, are you there? You're cutting say, out. Yeah, for anybody, can you, can you repeat that? Can you repeat that again? Yeah. I was going to say for anybody that is listening, if they're going through any through any loss right now at all, I hope that that what what we discussed maybe could be helpful for them. Are you there? I do too. Yes. Yeah, I know. I I heard you. Yeah, oh, I do I'm too. Sorry. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I hopefully it will. No, no, that's okay. Um, why do you think, in your opinion, there's such a solid connection between the mortal world and afterlife? What do you think con- contributes to this to this bond? Well, are you, you there? Know, You're cutting out. Yeah, I'm. I'm no, oh, am I oh, cutting you are. out? Okay, sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Let me put my volume up. You were. Now you're I, not. Now you're not. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. No worries. You know, there's a lot of. I don't want to be too foofy here because a lot of people, you know, love. Love sometimes gets taken advantage of, and love can be a passing feeling and all that. But if you think about right. it, the, the one thing that does connect us all, we all breathe the same air, so we know that's a connection. But another thing too right. it, it is 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 love, and I don't want to make that too foofy. You know what I mean? I, I'm not. No, to I get say it. Is that? But yeah. Um, and so that crosses over that boundary. It crosses over the boundary, the veil, or whatever you want to call that. So, mm-hmm. and I just, I don't know. That's that's such a good question. It's hard. Yeah, it, and it's and it's. It, I know it's difficult. I, I think when everything is said and done, it's that love is there, and and that's really what unites us. And then just wanting to, the, the wanting to, yeah, wanting to maybe. Like you said earlier in the program, that this is a time in the world right now that that there is more of a unity between the the uh, uh, the realm of the spirits and the mortals now. So I don't know if if it's what it is. What do you do? You have any feelings on that? I you know I I think that there's definitely a cosmic shift going on. I I can't necessarily. I have my own opinions about that. I'm not going to say this is exactly what's going on, but I I. It's just there's, I think a lot of it is is dictated by, you know, a higher, I guess, the, a higher power, I will say. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's many things. I think there obviously there's the interest, like I said, there's like the psychokinetic um, interplay. I think, too, there in lately, there's a lot of challenges going on. You know, not just I'm not just addressing the time with of this year with COVID nineteen, but previous. I think there's a lot of challenge going on. Life's tough. You know, there's a lot people are doing that too. Can I guess bring us closer as well? But you know, it's so personal because if you ask 
that question, everyone's going to have maybe a different answer. A different answer. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I see it too. What you're saying too, is that there's a little bit more trauma in the world, not just now, but mm -hmm. you know, and, and maybe it's a, a way of getting more in touch with our, with our, within the deep within, you know, the core. The deep within, core. Right. Exactly. And it's that core that our soul, our core, our very essence, what survives physical death right. journeys on to the next realm. Right. So I feel like this, the, the spirit, not just the spirit domain, but the, the universe, I will say, I'm going to use that word, is, is almost begging us to pay attention and, 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 uh, and you know, make these correlations. It's, it's trying to teach us something and teaching us to get amidst all of this, you need to, to get in touch with your inner self. And can you imagine if everyone did that, how much easier life would be and more pleasant life would be, Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything, everything we're in the world now is out there, out there, out there. And so I think that the spirit realm is trying to help us to point our fingers, turn around and point our fingers into, you know, point back inside, look right. back inside, look back inside. So, exactly. Because there's yeah. that core, that soul that's within all of us. And that's the purity. We all have it. it Just right. some, some are, have lost touch with it, you know, so to speak, but it's all there. And I think, I think, I agree with you in that it's trying to get us to pay more attention to that. To that. Oh yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, this is like, this time has gone by so fast tonight it's and you know, I, I, I told you it would, I can't thank you enough for, for joining me tonight, mom. It's been so fun and, and interesting. And I think hopefully helpful for people too to, to listen to what you've, had to say, I mean, you have so much knowledge and with the nursing background and just, just with life it's, to it's, offer these insights. It's been a pleasure, but I can actually say I would prefer to listen to you. I love listening to you speak. And I've had the pleasure of going oh. to a few, <laughs> a few of your presentations. No, I'm serious, Nicole. I'm speaking very oh. seriously. And I've sat back in the very in the back and I've watched and people just, they don't take their eyes off their because you speak from <laughs> your heart. Hopefully and, that's a good thing. I don't know. Oh, we'll it see. is a good thing. You speak from your heart and people listen, they hear that. And that's that's too, I think, what what the spirit realm is 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 reach your heart, go inside your heart. And that's what you do. And I've learned from you. I, I can't, it's just wonderful. It, and they and I've read this before. We as as older adults look back at your child, learn from your children. And it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have a passion for, for this. And I, and I think that, that, you know, people can see that, you know. I mean, you, when you hear someone talking about something that they're passionate about, Absolutely. you know, you're going to tune in. So, but it's, and, you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's been great having you at some of my presentations, of course, investigations. And I, tonight was awesome. And I, like I said, I put a lot of thought into who my first guest would be. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to have my mom on because I knew it would just you would provide a lot of good information and, and helpful information. So, And I look forward to all your other shows. I'm going to be the number one fan. I'm yeah, oh, be everyone. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I'd love to have you back on too again in the future. So if and you're up to it. Allie's coming on. Did you yes. Yeah, I'm actually. So next week we are going to have uh, my dear friend, Allie Schreiber on. She is a co-director of the San Diego Paranormal Research Society. And co-host of the like I said the spirits of the adobe uh tours at the ranch of Buena Vista adobe she also helped me on 
the book that uh, I wrote, Spirits of Rancho Buena Vista Adobe as well. So can't wait to get her on next week to talk about some of her experiences with the afterlife and some of our collective experiences that we've had, even at the Adobe. We've both had some pretty profound experiences at the Adobe that we'll talk about. So I'm really excited. Uh, so, Mom, thank you again for, oh, thank for joining. thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Thank you. And yes. I'm so happy for you with your new radio show. I did that seeing your dream come true. I love it. So, oh, thank you so much. Yes, I'm so thank excited. And, and I want to thank uh, uh, the listeners tonight and, and for, for your patience, too, because this is the first night. Of course, I've been a little uh, choppy. So, you know, practice makes perfect, You've right? You've done beautiful. <laughs> kidding me? Are so, you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, I, I think overall it went pretty well. And I've obviously had a good mentor with Todd. I mean, he's like a guru with this stuff. So, oh, I know. I mean, he's, he's amazing. Like a genius with all this. Yeah. So, uh yeah, so I'm really excited. I thank you, Mom. Thank you uh, for all the guests that have tuned in to tonight's debut episode of the Afterlife Chronicles and Beyond Radio Show on the WLTK DB Network. If you missed tonight's live show, don't worry because it's going to be archived. You can find those archives on the website www.wltkdb.com. As well, uh, they're not up yet, but they will be on my site authornicolestrickland.com all one word authornicolestrickland.com and of course the major audio listening platforms and so we're excited to get Ali Schreiber on next week it's going to go this whole next week's going to go by fast so thank you again and I want to say this remember here at the Afterlife Chronicles we are bridging the gap between mortality and the afterlife one experience at a time Have a great night, folks, and we'll see you next week. Spirit, it's everywhere. Are we able to communicate with them? What can they teach us? Welcome to School Through Spirit.